thanks for tuning in. This is Sunday Recap, the weekly edition of the Grace Bible Church podcast, where we talk about life and faith based off of our sermon this past Sunday. For more information about our sermons, or for more sermons and more podcasts, visit begrace.org slash podcast. For more information about Grace Bible Church, visit begrace.org. I'm Joey Cologne. I'm Jim Wilson. I'm Chris Webster. And I'm Eunice Cho. And with us this week is Dave Tate. Dave is the high school and a teaching pastor at Temple Bible Church. He's been there since, what, 2006? And uh, he was with us again this week. So welcome, Dave. Thanks for having me, guys. Sorry, I got distracted during the introduction because I had YouTube open because I checked it. And there was volume on it because I was rewatching the sermon earlier. So I started oh. to hear myself echoing. I was like, uh, for more information about podcast sermons. <laughs> but uh, this week we took a break from Daniel because Dave was out of town. He is not out of town because he has COVID. He is not out of town for any nefarious reason. He went and visited his son and daughter and, of course, the infamous granddaughter, Deva. Ava. Ava. Ava Deva. Ava Deva. So, he is, uh, as far as we know, he's driving back to Texas still right now. We got a text last night at like, I don't know, 10 p.m. that said, (laughs) said, we're stopping for the night to rest. We'll be back tomorrow. Go on without us. So, we're hoping we could show his face today as proof of life, but uh, it'll be all right. Trust us. He's fine. At least for now. At least for now. So we took a break from Daniel. We'll finish Daniel next week, right? And then the week after next is Advent already. Mm-hmm. Can you guys believe that? Do you have your Advent candles set up yet? Did you guys buy Advent calendars? No, but I see they do them for pets now. Advent pet calendars? Like treats? I'm not kidding. Mm. Oh, I've seen that before. Yeah, like treats and like toys and yeah. stuff. No. Well, I bought a fun advent calendar this year. Have you guys ever done advent calendars? We're all out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. I bought a fun one this year. I bought the, I don't know how to pronounce it right, but the Bone Mammon, that jam. It's like really fancy jam. I'm going to go get it out of my closet. No, I'm not. Sounds like, that sounded like a biblical name for a false god. It probably probably is. It probably is. I'm probably pronouncing it horribly, but it's this nice. That'd be a great band name, by the way. Well, you'd have to, it's probably trademarked already because it's a thing. But like death metal. It's like that really good jam and it's jams and honeys. And it's a little tiny jar, like one ounce every day you get to open and bring out. I thought it would be a fun one. But someone needs to make that with salsa. If they do that with salsa, I will I'll be in. It exists with hot sauce. I almost bought it for you one year, Chris. But it was like you know, Advent is forty days and it was like six hot sauces repeated and I was upset. I thought it was all different ones. Mm. But but um, (laughs) all that aside, we we took a break. We brought in Dave Tate this week because Dave was just visiting family. And uh, he looked at 1 Corinthians chapter 3 with us. His sermon title was, The Church is a Building, which is different because we often hear the church is not a building. Um, Maybe you can give us a little background on that real quick, Dave, before we start getting into details. What does the church is a building mean? Well, at the end of the this passage in uh, verse, is it verse 8 or verse 9? One of those two, I think it's verse 9, where Paul just refers to... um, 
you know, the church being God's building. And so it's just kind of a double entendre play on words, how, you know, Paul, he's referring to it as a spiritual building. First, he refers to it as it's kind of like a, a field. And but then he switches to architecture. He likes to use different pictures and analogies for what the church is. So he says the church, you know, is God's building. And, you know, obviously that's a spiritual, you know, um, image there, not in physical form. But anyway, I just thought it was an interesting way of thinking about the church because, you know, especially during COVID, we've all been, it's been reinforced over and over again that the church is indeed not a building, <laughs> you know. We all know that now. But at the same time, you know, according to Paul, it's this is God's building this building. God's building this 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 spiritual building. And so this is a great reminder for us, especially during COVID, I think, that we're kind of at his mercy. And and that's uh never been more apparent than I think twenty twenty. Yeah, and you, you went on towards the end to say that God's God's name is on that building. And so it and you belong to him. And I just, mm-hmm. yeah, I really like that. Mm-hmm. That's fun. Yeah, I don't think I've ever heard it said the church is a building. Although, I guess Stephen Watson days, he might lean more towards the church being a building. But uh, y'all remember that? I don't know. He really loves the church as a institution, which we all do too. But mm. anyway. Yeah. This is a that's a different type. I like it. <laughs> you just call, called him out. All right, Stephen, yeah. if you're listening. Okay. He doesn't listen to our to podcast. We're good. And if you know him, don't tell him. That's not fair. It's got to be him discovering it on his own. Yeah. So, church is a building. And uh, I guess, I don't know, some highlights. You talked about consumer Christianity, mm-hmm. um, grace fueling our growth. Um, not following just men, following Jesus, um, God causing growth, Chick-fil-A. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, what else? talking about Chick-fil-A on Sunday that everyone's like, let's go there after church. I know, dude. Oh, yeah. <laughs> can't do that. <laughs> I thought it while you were preaching. I was like, it's closed. It's closed. It's closed. That's all I could think of. But yeah. it's good. Well, you all have any highlights you want to hit up? I kind of summarized some of them get juices flowing well i just think the whole idea that we have disunity among the church because we do show favorites we we have this you know it's we get it every day on tv and movies and stuff like that we have our heroes right Mm -hmm. and we've turned that into something in the church where we like some people better than other people and we only listen to those people Mm -hmm. because they're the ones we like uh, but I thought, uh, could you expand someone, Dave, on the whole idea of being transactional and how how we operate? Yeah. Um, well, I just think most of us, we're, we're kind of raised with the mindset. You know, we're, we're kind of raised in this sort of American culture, you know, consumer-driven culture, where we're just used to the idea of, hey, if I like, if I hear about a, mo- a good movie, I'm going to go see it. If I hear about a good restaurant, I'm going to go visit that restaurant. If I hear... New, new story comes into town. We're going to go check it out, you know, and um, and those those relationships with those places are just pretty much transactional relationships where you just you pay them money. You expect them to give you good service. And if they don't, you just go elsewhere with your money, you know, and I think in many ways, I mean, I've been in ministry for a long time at, at a church really since I was age 19. And I've seen 
at my previous church and also even this church where, um, you know, if you ask someone, hey, you know, what caused you to leave that church and come here or what caused you to want to leave our church and go somewhere else? I mean, I rarely hear things like, well, I just think that church is doing a better job of fulfilling the Great Commission or <laughs> I just think that. You know, the mission of TBC is off, and I'm worried about that. I don't hear those kind of things. I hear things like, well, I just like the worship there better, or I just like the worship here better, or I like um, – it just kind of boils down to I like the goods and services that you all provide here, or I don't like the goods and services that you all provide here, and I'm going somewhere else. And so it tends to be just those kinds of things, you know, and – uh and anyway, so I think it's it, it's it's kind of we got to ask some deeper questions, I think, about, you know, why we attend any church and why we attend a particular church. And is there ever a good reason to leave a church? Yeah, I think there you could probably create a long list of things that, you know, you could say, well, here's here's some good reasons to leave a church and here's some some bad reasons to leave a church. And so I think. Most of the reasons I hear, though, from people are, I would call, bad reasons for leaving a church. <laughs> and so I think it's, I think what Paul's trying to put forth in, in really all of his writing, not just, of course, First Corinthians, but is um, we've got to think of the church as a completely different, it's an organism. It's not just an organization. It's going to have organizational elements to it, but it's a, um, like, you're a part of it in the same way that your arm is part of your body, you know? And so one, one thing I like to say to my own students is that you're a part of the church, whether you like it or not. And the question is, what kind of part of the church are you going to be? I mean, you can, you can sit at home and not ever attend, but that just means that part of our body is paralyzed, you know, and, um, and we're, we need you to be involved. We need you to serve. We need you to live on mission with us. And if you're not, then then part of us is lacking, you know, mm-hmm. that's kind of how I try to talk about it with with people versus just, you know, just come attend our services and and see what we have to provide, you know, for you. Um, so that's 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 the general idea of what I meant by the transactional relationship. Mm-hmm. Hey, Dave, how do you think uh, I would say, how do you think you could disciple someone, but maybe to make it more context, say um someone new is at your church and they're sitting next to you and you're talking to them and they're like yeah we just moved here from another church because you know we didn't really like what was going on for example one of the ones i hear the most is you know they didn't have a youth ministry or they didn't have a good youth ministry or Mm -hmm. it wasn't a big enough one i think that's one of the big ones we hear a lot is youth ministry or kids ministry and since you're in charge of the high school imagining you hear that when people come to your church so I'm wondering how you disciple someone when they come to your church after leaving a different church for a reason that maybe wasn't what you would say is a great reason. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I'll admit to you that I don't think I've been all that great at, you know, like having an initial conversation when they come to our church for whatever reason. Um, I don't think I've been great at you know, probing and saying, well, let's talk about why you left the other church and let's, let's, uh, Mm -hmm. critique that or look at that in a, in a, in a healthy way. 
Um, I've not been great at that. So I'm, I'm really calling myself out here too, as I, sure. as I talk about this, because I feel like it's something that, that I fail at as well. Um, I think what I have said when I, when I've had, I can recall an intern a while back that was, uh, he was in our ministry. He graduated. He, I think he served for a little bit of time after high school as an intern. And he, he just came to me and said, well, hey, I really want to go somewhere else and plug in somewhere else. And, and so the conversation that he and I had was um, was more like the conversation I would want to have with most people, which was, you know, well, tell me, like, don't just go somewhere else because you like, even if you are choosing to go somewhere else based on preaching, based on some of those external things, you know, wh- wherever you go, like go serve and live on mission there. So don't just go and be sitting in a chair and. You know, so I guess the question is, if you do end up leaving, and it might be for some maybe unhealthy reasons, but wherever wherever you're going to end up, what are you going to do when you get there? Are you going to plug into community? Are you going to live on mission with the people that you're – like, don't just go there and do what you did here, you know? Um, so even if – because it can be hard to, like, you know, when someone's leaving your church to really critique – them be like, well, you, because then it looks like an ulterior motive, right? Like, I'm just, I don't want you to go because this is our church and I care about our church and I don't want to lose people, you know? So it's this hard, this, this fine line you have to walk, I think, as a pastor that you don't come across like you have these ulterior motives, you know, just self-interest and yeah. trying to keep your congregation intact or whatever. But I think, it, generally speaking, if I'm going to have that conversation with someone, I would want to say to them, if you're coming here or if you're leaving here and going somewhere else, what are you going to do when you get there? And that's where I would encourage them towards, you know, community and mission, you know, not just coming and attending a service and that's it, you know? So hopefully the discipleship moment can be, they realize, Oh yeah, I never thought of like that. That should be the deeper reason why I go to church, not just to go sit in a chair and listen to a sermon and just walk out. Yeah, I'm thinking as you're talking about it all, I'm thinking how all of us have preferences, right? We there are, there are ways we like things, mm-hmm. and but should those preferences outweigh the priorities of, you know, a church that's teaching the word, uh, a, a church that loves people, you know, those kinds of things? Because uh, we when we moved here ten years ago, a little over ten years ago, we visited bunch of churches we started coming to grace and uh there was probably three to five gray-haired people in the congregation at that time <laughs> and we've it, grown we've grown yeah we have uh but it was we actually reached a point where, where we thought man nobody even is interested in us at all mm-hmm. and and but we knew that the preaching of the word was foundational to what we wanted to be a part of and so we finally made a decision and said, okay, uh, maybe they don't care about us, but we need to work on this. So we'll we'll put forth the effort to get mm-hmm. to know people. And, you know, it's going to take us working it to stay here because we mm-hmm. know that this is what we need is the word being preached to us. So mm-hmm. uh, that all turned out great. But I know that, you know, we acknowledge this as a church. When people come the first time, they are in a consumer mode somewhat. Mm-hmm. How would anybody? How would you say we battle? Uh, we battle consumerism in the church. Like how? 
how would you encourage somebody who comes to church and is like, man, I've been a consumer, like if they recognize it and they want to battle it for themselves? I mean, some of the thoughts I've been having, I, I think it's such an important, um, it's like a DTR, define the relationship, right? I think um, it's it's hard because you're not, you're not necessarily married for life to one local church, but you are, um, you are committed, you are part of the body, whether you like it or not, right? As Dave mm-hmm. said. Um, and I think so that the two things when you're defining a relationship are what is your part in this and what do you expect from the other person? Um, and so I think those two things can go really, really wrong. Um, for one thing, like we were just talking about mostly, and it's such a good thing to, to think about is as a congregation member, what is my part of this? Um, Mm -hmm. like, and, and what does it mean if I just sit like Dave said at one point, and I completely agree with, if I'm just attending, I'm not actually a part of the church. If I'm just sitting Mm -hmm. next to someone watching the same thing happen, that's not really being a part of a church. That's watching church happen. That's not being part of it. Um, but on the other side, I think that's also important to say is, um, what's your expectation of what the church is going to give you? Because, I think sometimes we can even fall, I I know as a church staff, I can fall into the trap of, I want this thing, I want church to fulfill all of your needs. And the truth is only Jesus does that. Not even, not even this organization, right? Like, like, so if you're coming for perfect relationship and harmony and belonging and all these things that we, we, we do want to some extent from the church, right? Uh, Acceptance and, and feeling cared for, um, mm-hmm. but th- guess what? Only Jesus, only God's going to do that perfectly. And so I think mm-hmm. there's there is some some e- extent where we mm-hmm. almost can fall into idolizing the church, and uh, and sort of like dating around too much, and and look like to the same extent we've we've <laughs> sort of have this romantic culture where we say, hey, I'm going to find the right person and they're going to complete me and they're going to give me everything I need and then I'm going to feel good about myself. We can do the same thing about church and keep looking around and say, one of these days, I'm going to mm-hmm. find this church that fulfills me completely, right? And and that's a dangerous thing to think. It's like, man, no, what 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 is your expectation for the church? You're there, you're there to be a part of that body um, at some mm-hmm. point and um, you're there to follow Jesus, first of all, not just to build a, you know, build an empire. If you're here to follow Jesus and love him um, together, and yeah. what are you contributing to that is an even more important. Uh, that That's how you fight consumerism, I think. So, yeah. there you go. <laughs> uh, it, it kind of is part of Dave's tension he was talking about, too, of God causing the growth, but it also involves some of our work because, you know, we... We see that and do that, you know, we're guilty too of showing up and be like, I want a church that does this and does that, but like, you're part of the church, you're part of the people that do mm-hmm. that. So like, mm-hmm. you need to do that too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's something that Chris said that sparked a thought for me was, I've, I've got this book somewhere on my shelf here. It's not written by a Christian, but it's, it's called uh, The Paradox of Choice, and it's talks about you know, why, why is it in, in our consumer culture how we have so many choices for virtually anything? You would think that more choices leads to more happiness, but really the opposite mm-hmm. happens. Where the paradox of choice is that the more choices you have, the less happy you are. Because you're always second-guessing your choices. You're always thinking, well, I, I picked the wrong one, you know? Yeah. And um, 
and there's always 10 alternatives to the thing that you did pick. So therefore you're always like, ah, oh, maybe I should pick the other one. <laughs> and that's true of just going to the store and buying deodorant. Like I, I go to the store and I'm like, I just need deodorant. I don't, there's like mega strength and like extra strength and all these different options where you're like, I don't know, man. I, I just, I'll just get this one. And, um, anyways, I think church can be the same way where we, we have, we, we can have so many choices that we are always wanting to find the perfect one. And there's always an option out there that can seem better from a distance. So it's hard to really plug in and, and just grow and say, this is where I'm going to plant myself. Because you always have another option that you think might be better. Man, well, I don't have the deodorant problem because I've found the best one. So we're good on that front. <laughs> right. But uh, at Grace Bible Church, I mean, I, I think we say find purpose together, right? But what we're really saying is battle consumerism. That's another way to say mm-hmm. find purpose together, right? And we say it every week. And everybody who's listening probably thinks, I hear this every week. But it really is a method of... <laughs> Of fighting it. And what's the method, Eunice? Oh, gather, serve, and join. I had to get your voice in. You haven't been talking enough. Well, I, I've ha- I have things to say, but I just, yeah. Anyways, gather, serve, and join. We gather together in worship. We ask you to serve on a team and join a group. <laughs> yeah. Jim's got more word count than you today. That's why I had to bring you in. Oh no! <laughs> I'm giving his face. That's good. I love he hasn't that. been here for a while. That's good. That's good. I, I was gonna. I was gonna ask Dave. We've talked about all the, you know, talked around all the bad reasons to leave a church. Can you just really quickly say what are you? What are the non-negotiables for when you're looking for a church? What Some is good reasons to leave? Yeah. Oh well, not even good reasons to leave, yeah. but the thing, the reason you should stay. Like, what um, are the? You know, what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> Um, that's a great question. So I, th- I think what are some good reasons to like if I'm looking for a church, what am I looking for exactly? Mm-hmm. So I have think, to have. Yeah, I think the things that um, I think obviously I think I think they teach the Bible, you know, which sounds like one that I know your church and our church would say, well, yeah, duh. But obviously there are a lot of churches that they don't they, they just kind of like pick different hot button issues. And it's just let's, let's just always kind of find the the hot button thing and, 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 and it's never like, now, am I saying that you have to always preach through books of the Bible? Uh, that's what I generally lean towards. But obviously if you're going to teach, I mean, you can teach, you know, theologically driven series too, where you say, we're going to do a series on, you know, what is a disciple or, you know, sanctification. Like that could be a very theologically driven series that pulls from all different areas of scripture, you know? So I'm not saying that you have to always teach, just even through books of the Bible, but generally that's kind of what I would lean toward because of um, it's kind of how God's written His Word, and I think it it gives people more tools in which they can go study it for themselves when when we do it that way. Um, but also, I think you know I look for a church that look for a church that really wants to equip the believers, you know, so not just again not just a church that does create the trend that almost kind of fosters the transactional relationship between themselves and the congregants, but looking for a church that really desires to equip people. And, and that goes outside of like just a Sunday morning service, but you know, what are the ways in which they're teaching you how to study God's word, like how to lead a discussion, how to, 
lead a home group, how to lead um, in your workplace. I and mean, all those kinds of things are really important as well. Um, and I also think that, you know, looking for a church that you that you feel like. So here's the other side of my argument, and it kind of sounds contradictory. I think it, but I don't think it is. Um, is, yeah, looking for a church that desires to do things with excellence, I think is important because there there's a hospitality element to doing things well. And so I, I don't think, and I think I touched on this in the talk, I don't think you should do things sloppy just because, I don't think sloppy means spiritual. I think some churches can do that where it's like, oh, uh, who cares? You know, it's God does God does the work, you know? So like, let's just be, do everything halfway, you know? Hmm. Um, I think that's important as well. And then I think obviously theologically, I mean, you've got to, I mean, are there certain churches that I I would look at and say, yeah, that I may not agree theologically on, cer- on certain things. So I think it is important to find one that, um, you know, generally speaking, does agree with you theologically on some things. Not everything necessarily, but I think generally speaking, um, there are certain things that, that would be important. I'm not going to dive into all those hot button issues, but you get the idea mm-hmm. on some of those things. Um so that's a general list, I would say. That's good. Right on. Did you also ask, like, what, why leave a church? Is that what someone asked, too? Or is that? Well, it's just the reverse of that. So I think yeah. it equals out. I think we're all right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I want to talk a little bit about your following mere men leads to uh, living just like mere men. I thought that was a really mm-hmm. strong point. Um, and I, I liked the David Platt. Was it David Platt who said, my theology is wrong. I just don't know where it is yet, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, that idea of being able to look at ourselves and say, hey, we know at some points we're probably wrong, but you know we are mm-hmm. doing our best to do right, and we are doing our best to follow Christ. Um, yeah. But, but I think, yeah, maybe we could spend, I mean, you spent a few minutes on your sermon, so maybe it's too much already, but spend a few minutes talking about celebrity pastors um i think my biggest pushback well maybe somebody else can start you go ahead somebody else go ahead i'm talking too much i mean one one angle i was thinking about it from i don't know how to turn this into a question i'll just start a topic but i i think Mm -hmm. you, you talked about from a church perspective and an organizational perspective of these celebrity pastors i was thinking at the same time you know bringing it down to just joe congregate again church member how temp- how tempting it is to create a personal uh brand right and to to display yeah. yourself as and i think even i i have chewed on this a lot when sharing the gospel feeling like the weight of of the gospel is on my transformation my own personal transformation my own personal knowledge um, and if I can't, if I can't like be this perfect shining example always of everything perfectly, then I have no use sharing the gospel. You know, I don't know if you guys feel that pressure or can like speak into how do you combat that. Um, yeah, maybe that's the question. Any thoughts on that? So you, I guess to summarize what you're saying, you're saying just how to um, keep yourself from falling into the celebrity. The pressure to be kind of the celebrity or the propping yourself up, is that what you're asking? Yeah, I think so. I mean, t- to, to half answer the question, to me, like, 
I've noticed how much the gospel allows me to just stumble through a gospel presentation. Like I'm free, I'm free to say, I like, come along and I'm going to like stumble towards Jesus. I'm not the guy to perfectly emulate, but there's this freeing (laughs) moment of grace of saying, yeah, don't, don't you dare hang the whole of Christianity upon my shoulders um, because I'll never hold it up. Uh, But I just didn't know if there are any other ways where, where you can continue to say, "Hey, how do I remind myself um, that I'm not the I'm not what this all hangs on, and I don't have this pressure to be everything for this person?" Mm-hmm. That's a hard question, I guess. But mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> do you guys want to take a stab at that before I take a stab at it, or I'll I'll take a stab at it first if you need me to. <laughs> I confuse people a lot on this podcast, Dave, so don't worry. It's allowed. (laughs) Well, yeah, yeah, I mean, I think the other thing, too, is uh, close to that is letting you make yourself your idol, if that makes sense. Like, and that's Mm -hmm. back to the David Platt thing, I guess, of like not thinking you're ever wrong and not thinking you're ever. But yeah, Mm -hmm. I think I think it was a good example that you gave Dave about, you know, pastors who don't let themselves become celebrities um because because we can we can let ourselves become celebrities like mm-hmm. yeah oh well i'm mm-hmm. too busy to talk to people or you know i need to run and do this or that but like you know i just really want to know why we don't have a green room chris that's full of individually wrapped <laughs> cashews i think we need to work on that but, yeah, was, but like yeah a color in our scheme <laughs> <laughs> not not allowing yourself even even if you're not a pastor even if you're somebody at home like somebody who just comes every sunday like you can think oh well i know more about like that dave tate guy who came and preached like his mm. theology is a little off here and this was a little off there like i, I catch myself doing that too you know like mm-hmm. i don't know i think it's it's constantly checking ourselves and our motives mm. is part of not allowing the celebrityness to happen yeah. Mm. Yeah, and on the other hand too, it's like obviously there are some. I'm grateful and thankful for the broad reach of the internet. I mean, television. Like, how many how many people have we learned from as even as kids growing up? And I mean, we had to. I had to drive. We had to drive like 20 miles to school when I was in school, and so my mom would have the radio on listening to Chuck Swindoll like every morning and yeah and it's just it is kind of cool to think of yeah I remember hearing him preach when I was a kid but then there I am sitting in a DTS chapel service like listening to him in person and I'm like mm-hmm. this is cool so I mean it's it's not wrong for us to honor and appreciate the influence of people I don't ever want to downplay that because it's they've obviously played a huge role in all of our lives I mean books podcasts I I love that you know I'm not going to ever uh, but I think you're right. There is a there is a relationship. You can kind of tell, like, I think the ones that almost like prop themselves up and and try to create the brand versus ones that are just trying to edify the church, you know. And uh, I think it's important to kind of sift through those and not and not, you know, kind of buy ourselves into the into that same kind of celebrity culture. Mm-hmm. I, I think as a congregant or as a church member, it's often easy to look at the famous person and to like, you know, read all their books and follow their stuff and think they're doing everything right, which it's good. Like you said, it's good to read their stuff and see their stuff. But 
Like God called your local pastor to be your pastor and your shepherd. He mm-hmm. did not call Timothy Keller to be your shepherd. Timothy Keller has his own sheep. Um, yeah. uh, David Platt has his own sheep. Like they all are putting out good stuff, but you know, that's not who God has called to be your pastor or your shepherd. So you shouldn't be looking to them for your like majority of your shepherding, I guess. I don't know mm-hmm. if that's mm-hmm. good or accurate, but. Mm-hmm. That's my take on the celebrity pastor. Yeah. I love them. I follow them. I read their stuff, but mm-hmm. they are not who God has called to be my pastor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a. I, I, it comes back to speaking of Tim Keller, <laughs> the the freedom of self forgetfulness. Like, mm-hmm. there's this. There's we. I don't know if you've seen that little tiny book, Dave, mm-hmm. but uh, we went through it as a church a while back, and uh, there's this dual perp where there's this duality of, of when you're like truly not thinking of yourself too much. It doesn't mean you're like you were just saying, it doesn't mean you refuse to be on the radio if God wants to use that. Right. Right. It, it's a freedom thing. It's just, you're not thinking about yourself. And I think it goes both ways. You're, you're not like, uh, I, I think for, I'll, I'll uh, <laughs> say one example. Like, so for instance, I've had some musicians uh, in my team who don't want to be on camera during COVID. And my encouragement for them is if God wants to use that to bless somebody, we should allow that. Right. And that, so there's, there's both sides of it. You don't want to pursue fame, but you also don't want to say, Hey, there's this open handedness of God, I'm going to, I'm going to just give this to you. And if, if you want to do that, you're allowed to, you know, I'm not going to like shut it down because I don't want to, I don't want thing, the word to spread or um, mm-hmm. it's kind of like the farmer you were talking about. Like we can't, mm-hmm. we're, we're just faithful to sow and to, and mm-hmm. to water, but we have to be careful of saying, if I don't have an insane giant crop, then I'm failing. Right. Mm-hmm. It's just this faithfulness. So, so what, you know, but also if God gives me a big crop, I'm not going to just kill half of it off or say, no, I will only have this <laughs> yeah. much. Right. There is that tension. So, um, that, but that's a freeing thing when it's when it's just not on all on your shoulders. Yeah. Yeah, and also I think that there's just the element of I think we have to just release the idea that there are, you know, there are certain people that are just immensely gifted at, at various levels, you know. So like there are people that when that guy plants a church, man, it just explodes, you know. Like I'm not yeah. gonna I'm not gonna look at that inherently and say oh something shady must be going on there you know because they're they're growing too fast um <laughs> and God, now that can happen where there could be a watered down message of some kind and that that's what's you know he, he's just tickling everyone's ears or whatever but um but i think it's uh you know some people it's like god's called them like we said yesterday there's different assignments you know paul had an assignment apollos had an assignment and from the look of the corinthian church they would have preferred Apollos to Paul. Like Paul has to argue in his letter to the Corinthians that he's legit. Like he has to make the argument that, Hey guys, take me seriously. I'm, I'm an apostle, you know? And, uh, and yet now Paul's the one that we revere, but Apollos, we're like, who's he, you know, we don't know who he is. (laughs) You said Paul Revere, just in case you were wondering. (laughs) I like it. (laughs) <laughs> it's the american paul yeah. <laughs> good time all right That's other good. thoughts other ideas big things that stood out i'm looking through my notes and crossing things out we already talked about but i've got a lot of them so i don't know 
<laughs> I got mine here as well, so I'll look through it. Mm -hmm. uh, everyone's supposed to be asking you questions, Dave. You don't have to bring up questions if you don't want to. <laughs> I really liked when I said this. <laughs> Chris, can you tell me about how you felt when I said blah, blah, blah? Like yes, can because I don't know, you might be maybe you're maybe you're nicer to the guest preacher than you are to your to Dave. But you know, if you have questions about, hey, you said this, and I'm not yeah. sure I agree with that, or I see it differently, or what do you mean when you said this? Like I'm I'm game for whatever. We mostly just make fun of Dave McMurray for pronouncing words strangely. That's all. Oh, I have something to make fun of you about. You ready? Yeah, do it. I don't think it's uh, permissible to talk about cockroaches in people's mouths during sermons. <laughs> so I want to know, were there no other examples for sharing um, what maturity looks like than a cockroach in a child's mouth? Well, that you have was to remember, seriously disgusting, by the way. I am, we talked about I'm it over a high school pastor, and anything mm -hmm. I say in a sermon that is along those lines, I can just blame on the fact that I'm a high school pastor. So oh, there you go. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, the the story I would use with my students ends up being the story I would use with the adults. <laughs> but, I, but I do agree that that's, yeah. I, I, I can hear the visceral reaction mm -hmm. whenever I tell the story. You <laughs> could fill it over the internet. <laughs> my measure... My measure of a good story is how much it moves me, and that moved me in the wrong direction. But it was it but shocked it moved me. You. Good. Yeah, it moved me. Good job, Dave. I gave you points for it. Well, we did talk about it over lunch and decided that it's good because it's memorable, but it might not be good because it might be the only thing that people remember from. You know, it's one of those things that's like, wait, why were we even talking about cockroaches? But here's yeah. your reminder: it's because we were talking about maturity and growing. And how, if that still was happening now, when she's, what, 10 now? Yeah. They would not be okay. She would yeah. be maturing. You'd call a doctor and say, why is this happening? Right, exactly. That was, I mean, I think that was such an important point. And almost, yeah, I, w I wish we could dwell on it. Maybe it's a good time now. But, but that strange culture we do have of, you know, don't ever talk about uh, actually how you're living as a Christian. You know, there's sort of like, Okay, you've accepted Jesus now. Don't you know? Nobody judge anybody else. Nobody, mm -hmm. nobody talk about it. Whether you're maturing. I mean, I I thought that was convicting myself, like having been a Christian for a long time, of saying, "Oh yeah, like I should still be growing." I don't. I mean, that sounds mm -hmm. so silly, but um, yeah, I don't know where that culture comes from, or um, yeah, just even more about how to combat that specifically. Like, what's the healthy means of of doing that in the right way, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, well, I think one way is, is just to, the way to start that I think is to, you know, approach people and say, Hey, you know, ask people to, to speak into your life, you know? And by doing that, I think you're going to, you're going to gain access into their lives, you know? And I don't mean that in some manipulative way, I'm going to ask them <laughs> so they can, they'll ask me, but, yeah. um, but I think it's important that if you model that kind of humility, then people are going to, you know, say to you, Hey, well, can you, if you see anything in my life, please, let's talk about it. I'd love to know. And, uh, but that's, I think it's one way to, is to model it first. And then hopefully that can, that can lead to a, a reciprocating of that very thing. 
Yeah, I think we've talked about this in the past, and we start talking about uh, vulnerability because we make ourselves vulnerable, you know, allowing people to know that we don't have it figured out. Mm-hmm. We have some things figured out. Hopefully, over time, we've you know grown. Uh, but to admit that I'm in a process, just like you're in a process, I may be in a different place in this process, and I'm you know I may have more years of. But that doesn't mean that I've gotten better just because of years, or that I've solved everything just because of years. Uh, yeah, it's it's amazing how long it takes sometimes for change to happen in our lives, mm-hmm. and. And we get disappointed in ourselves. And our tendency is to say, as a human who operates in the flesh, to say, oh, no, I'm okay. I've, I've thought about that. And I got it all fixed. But, you know, mm-hmm. often that's not the case. And I find mm-hmm. it much easier just to say, you know what? I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure where I am right now. Mm-hmm. And I think it enables people to be more honest about what's going on in their lives uh, to for us to set an example of yeah I'm I'm a sinner and mm-hmm. all I find out is how much more I sin the older I get mm-hmm. just yeah what I have a question on sure. that maybe applies to that for Dave so I think you know scripture talks about spurring each other on towards towards love and godliness I think that's kind of what you were talking about what's the line between that and the actual bad judgmentalism like how do you mm. how do you differentiate that well, how would you tell someone to know the difference between a good like godly judgment of what's happening and speaking into someone's life and a judgmental going about that in a judgment in a badly judgmental way mm-hmm. well i think i would say i think uh tone has a lot to do with that mm. so the tone in which you're um addressing something so i think the obviously we've all done this where we've been maybe right about something like i think of early in my time at tbc where i might approach somebody and you know my tendency was to at times could be like pretty harsh you know with an intern or a student you know and and what i and it it may be that what i said i look back and say the content of what i said i don't really disagree with i think that i was right about the content of what I said, but man, the way I said it to them was just way out of line, you know? Mm. And uh, so I think tone, tone is a big deal. Um, one thing my wife has always said, she, she had a professor in, in uh, grad school that said this to her, if you're ever really excited to go confront someone, <laughs> then you know it's not the right time. Mm. And, <laughs> Love it. You know, kind of like the check yourself before you wreck yourself idea. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so I think that's important to, to think through. So it's almost like you've got to, if, if you're approaching it like with some fear and trepidation, almost with some tears in your eyes, like, man, I don't really want to do this. Mm-hmm. Then maybe it's the right time to go do it. Mm-hmm. And uh, and if it's not, if you're not in that mindset, you need to get in that mindset before you go and, and confront somebody on something. But um but also, too, there's also, I mean, that's more like the, the tone of how you do it. But, yeah, there, are, there can also be things that, you know, if you're going to if you're going to confront someone, I think of the Matthew uh, 18 principle talks about confronting someone who's who's sinning. Well, I think sometimes we confront people 
it may not be a sin issue. It might be a misunderstanding or I think you've got to establish, is this truly a sin issue or is it some preference issue? Like our personalities just don't mm-hmm. seem to mesh. And they said this thing to me and I got offended by it. And I got to go work it out. I mean, you still need to talk about those things and not let them fester, even though it's not a black and white sin issue. I think it's important to go and, and seek understanding and, you know, Hey, I heard you say this. And I want to understand, did I hear this clearly? And, and what did you mean by that? So I think, I think a humble way to approach it is to ask lots of questions when it's not a black and white sin issue. It's more another kind of issue. I think you could go and just ask lots of questions just to seek understanding. And I think when you, when they see that your motive is to really understand, then there's a better chance of it going well versus it being like you're coming out of the gate with, you know, knives out, you know, I think also, oh, go ahead. I was just going to add real quick relationship and proximity too, right? Like, you're not called to go and confront everyone in the world who says they're a Christian and acts in ways you mm-hmm. think are wrong. Like, just like the, you know, God's called me to this location, this church, which means this is my pastor that he's called to be my shepherd. Like, it's the same for the people he's put around you, right? You're called to speak into their lives. You don't need to get on, you know, Twitter and blast some pastor in California or fill in the blank. Like, Mm-hmm. That's not who he's put you in relationship or in community with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was gonna say one thing you said, Dave, made me think too. Like, it's so important to give them a pursuit, like, like offer them something scriptural to aim at, rather than just calling out what you see. Right? Maybe do more time pointing at Jesus than pointing out the sin in their life. I mean, you still need to do that, but mm-hmm. I think that was a thing. I've seen done wrong is just saying you're doing that wrong rather than, Hey, together we're called by the word to do this. Like, have you thought about that? Can I help you? Can I help you find, think of ways to pursue that? Like, I I just think how much more helpful that is to say, this is what we're aiming at. You know, Dave and I like to say, don't just have an anti-strategy. Don't just try to avoid this thing. You need to be chasing after something. Um, right. So that, you made me think of that when you were talking as well. Yeah. Mm. Can we spend a few minutes talking about gifting? We're getting close on our time, but sure. Uh, uh, we talked a little bit about it, but I was wondering if we can get a little more into. Um, I guess you said something like, "I wrote this down. Hopefully, it's accurate." Gifting should lead to partnership. Um, uh, and everyone, you also talked about everyone being gifted differently and that your gifting matters and that leadership matters. I'm just wondering uh, if maybe together we can help flush that out. Because I know sometimes you'll hear like, you know, maybe your church doesn't need your gifting right now. And maybe they just need somebody to vacuum the floors, like go be the floor vacuumer. So I'm just wondering mm-hmm. if we could talk about gifting and how gifting should lead to partnership. Hmm. Um, Jenny, you guys want to take a stab at that while I think of what I want to say? <laughs> That's sure. how podcasting works. Yeah, I was brave enough to talk first. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I think, you know, part of, part of being a Christian is figuring out how did God gift me? Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's in stuff that you really like doing. Uh, sometimes it's in stuff that you may not like doing as much, but you know you can do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, 
you know, you have to get past the personal fear of us introverts, you know, doing things in front of people that might be noticed uh, when we would really like to hide in the corner and do stuff that, you know, can't be seen. So, yeah, so so using your gifting the way God wants you to do it, uh, yeah. But it's real. I mean, it's really satisfying as, you know, the ancient guy in this crowd to know how God made me to be helpful to uh, to be the second guy. I, I'm not, I can't be the first guy. God didn't create me to be that guy. Mm-hmm. But I know that I can be the second guy. Mm-hmm. And so I can help people in that way, uh, doing things that, you know, that drive them crazy. Uh, but I can do that, make it easier for them to do what they need to do. Uh, so, so I think it's really helpful to even go take those ancient spiritual gifts tests that used to fly around the 80s and 90s. Yeah. They're helpful. They show you sometimes, oh, I didn't I didn't realize that I had that capability built into me because of the way God has made me. And mm-hmm. then you can, you know, you can see more easily. This is why I enjoy doing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. I love it. Absolutely. Yeah, there, there's something about just just being faithful, just showing up. Like I think how many times I've I've had this voice in the back of my head, like you might be in the wrong job, or like what this is stuff is harder for you than it should be, or you you're not doing this as well as somebody else could could sometimes. But I think there's I've just had this conversation last week. Like I just have to have faith that it's it's better if I show up than if I don't show up. Right. I'm just going to, I'm going to dive into this messiness and be there. Mm -hmm. And like, yeah, if someone comes along who can do this better, I'm going to say, come on, buddy, do it. Like go. Mm -hmm. Um, But also there's this importance of an us mentality. Like, cause even there's Mm -hmm. just, we just evolve down into what's my personal ministry. What's the one way I'm wired versus again, you're part of a spiritual building, right? You are, you're, you're the brick below somebody else. You're the brick on top of somebody else. Like mm-hmm. if you shake, it's, it should matter. Um, but it's not just about, I must always pursue my dream. It's what are we doing together? How am I supporting somebody else as well? Um, mm-hmm. Sometimes that's, that's like you said, being the second guy that activates somebody else's gift where they didn't realize it. Mm-hmm. And you will say, man, why aren't you doing this? Go, I see it in you. Like, Mm. like run, you know, I think that, that in itself is a gift, (laughs) right. Of just, Mm -hmm. just lighting people on fire and saying, go do it. I mean, that's a beautiful thing. Mm -hmm. Mm. Yeah. And by that, I didn't mean that I can only operate in my giftedness because I think there's going to be plenty of times where God asks you to do something that you say, I don't really feel it, you know? And, but, you know, it's being a servant. I guess the whole idea is be a servant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I think with gifting, it's really important to, because what happens, I, I love people, you know, taking a test or whatever. And, and uh, but also I think it's great. They got They ask, that has to be, that has to fit also with um, the people that are around you. Do, do they affirm the gifts mm-hmm. that you mm-hmm. claim to have? Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I know Chris can attest to that when when someone says I'm a really good singer and you're like uh, <laughs> I've heard you sing and I don't think so. Um, so I think with any gift though, it's like you have to. There needs to be an affirmation in the body of Christ that says, "Man, you're really when you do this, like things just really work better." And we need to put you in this role. Mm-hmm. And 
But um, I also think that you, we should all be open to things that we don't think are our gifts because there's lots of things that you would discover throughout your life where you think, man, I, I never saw myself doing that, but man, I really, I really grew to enjoy that or whatever. Um, I mean, I was a kid in the youth group. Like, I got to think this through whenever I ask a, a kid. I, it's, it's so flippant now. Whenever I ask a student to share a testimony or to get up in front of students and, you know, hey, teach for 10 minutes on this little passage. Like, that was a terrifying thing for me when I was a high schooler. Like, I would not have done that. In fact, my youth pastor would ask me to do stuff like that sometimes. And it was like I instantly just felt like I wanted to run away and, you know, like I'm not doing that. I was the last person to want to get a microphone and to speak in front of a crowd, you know, mm. and um, and but you know the irony of that is is somehow that's what I ended up doing. <laughs> I still look at the whole thing as a big as a big comedy. It's like God's big comedy, you know. But um, there's but something. The, uh, go ahead, go ahead. There's just something there though that's really important, <laughs> and and this is just not out of scripture, but out of my head maybe. But like that gifting has more to do with how God uses it than mm-hmm. what it feels like to do it, right? Like, mm-hmm. I think there's a tendency we have to say, my gifting should be easy and smooth and perfect. Mm-hmm. And that's all about, like, what it feels like to do it, rather than, surely there's example throughout history. I mean, what you even, yeah, right, Paul even said, I'm not a great speaker, but how did mm-hmm. God use it, right? Like, and so I think there's something there, too, where we need to not not think gifting is just going to mean it's easy and smooth and, you know, yeah. uh, no friction kind of feels like, oh, this is so obvious. So, you know, I, it's kind of the chariots of fire thing. When I run, I feel God's pleasure. <laughs> like, that's awesome. And there should be some moments of that, maybe. Mm-hmm. But it's so much more about how God uses mm-hmm. your, your servant heartedness. And, mm-hmm. you know, maybe it's the hardest thing you ever do for your whole life, but God mm-hmm. uses it. Or you never feel like it's successful, but God uses it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I feel like that's true for like every, like every one of us really, but like even looking at at the Bible and like all the greatest figures in the Bible, like God uses specific people to prove and like to show like his glory, right? Like it's all to reflect his glory. And like, I mean, Dave, you were talking about how Paul, it was like Paul versus Apollo and like, everybody thought that Apollo was like the big, like he was the big deal. But then like, like looking back now, it's actually Paul who like has carried so much on and like has had so much more influence. And it wasn't because Paul thought he was going to be great or it wasn't because he knew he was, I mean, he didn't, he didn't feel like he was that great anyways. Like, and there are so many times in scripture where it's like, really Paul, that guy, like the one who persecuted Christians, like, are you sure? Like, you know, and even like, I mean, yeah, I mean, I think that it's it's supposed to be like he it's like the proof of um, like he loved Israel, be, not because they were so great. It was because they were so tiny and like they were so helpless. And mm-hmm. that's kind of like us, like he uses the most like he often uses the most broken and like the like the lost and the weak, like to lift them up and like to be his hands and feet and to carry out his his will, you know, and like, mm-hmm. I mean, we should be so honored. Like we are all, we are mere broken vessels, but he's the one who like puts us together. We yeah. are jars of clay, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So Dan Allender wrote a book called Leading with a Limp. And it's, mm-hmm. it's all about how God 
loves to use reluctant leaders, people who never thought of themselves of being out front to do something. Mm-hmm. And over and over again, you see it in Scripture that he chooses somebody who would say, not me, I'm not doing it. Yeah. yeah. A little Jonah, though. Yeah. Yeah, I'm reading this really good book right now uh, called, um, it's by Martin Lloyd-Jones. It's really a, it's a bunch of chapters. Every chapter is like a sermon that he preached at his church mm. many years ago, but it's called Spiritual Depression. Mm. And um, it's interesting, isn't it? One of his first chapters, he talks about uh, the idea that you just mentioned. You know, he talks about how, uh, you know, um, there was a thought that I had, and it, but now the thought escaped me. So maybe it'll come back to me. But um, anyway, it's 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 a it's a profound read. You know, he talks about the uh, oh, I know what it was. It was the idea that um, that those that are in ministry, uh, especially like the public, you know, speaking and those kind of things, what's needed for that is kind of an introspective personality. You know, to do the job requires some introspection, and mm. but it's often the introspective type people that are prone to spiritual depression. He says, mm. so that's kind of the irony is that you've got, you know, you can feel like why why should I do this job? I feel like I don't do so well at it, or I feel like I'm discouraged mm. because of this or that, and yet, you know, it's it's often the person that. Um, the person who wants to grab the world by the horns and just go get her, let's, let's go conquer the, the mountain type personality. That seems to be the kind of person that should be in those roles. But then you go, but that, that person generally flames out. That person generally mm-hmm. may not have the introspection that is required for that job either, you know? And uh, so, yeah, it's, it's an interesting, it's a tension that we have to walk and uh, realizing that ironically, your weak, what feels like your weakness ends up being a strength. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So that's, that's kind of what I've gotten from reading that book, uh, reading it uh, about halfway through it now, but yeah. It's good. Anyone have anything else? We're getting close on time. I just want to I would know just if like I had to more, say, oh, wait, oh, okay, fine. You go I first. Know if I had more words than Eunice today. No. <laughs> I think you did actually, but I was gonna say, I that uh, the story of the cockroach. It definitely, I, I mean, I definitely had a visceral reaction to it, but I will say that that was not my, t- that was not like the big takeaway from from your sermon. So I would just like to say that I thought okay, that what is it? my my favorite part of it, my favorite part of the sermon was actually the farmer story of your grandfather. I thought that was a great story. I loved it and how you were saying like, um, like pastors, like even I mean even with uh, like our past like Pastor Dave McMurray, like he is a like celebrity to some people in our church, which is okay. Like we can look up to him and stuff, but it's like, he really is like a super down to earth guy. And like, he's super easy to talk to and like really easy to get to know. But like, like, I don't know. I, I thought it was really cool how you were just like, they're not rock stars. They, they literally just are normal people who like have to work as much as we do. And like, so, I mean, sometimes even harder, like, like you said, milking the cows like twice a day, like, and like super simple lifestyle, but like, it's real and it's hard work, but it's good. 
Yeah. I liked it. Yeah. I think, I mean, just, I, I think of my, of him, but also my own parents as well that were very like, you know, kind of hand of the plow type people, not flashy, but just, you know, they had jobs and all that. But I mean, that's really, um, again, going back to the gifting conversation, like we think of, like when I was growing, I always thought of a ministry person as being this super gifted, like uber gifted person. But I think just seeing myself and seeing other people, you realize so much of it is just being faithful mm-hmm. and responding to a text message, responding to an email, like just simple stuff that you go, man, that's is like basic things. It's nothing special about it. But if you don't do those basic things well, then your gifting is not going to matter. I mean, you can't, mm-hmm. your gifting doesn't cover over like those things. You have to do the, those little things well. And that's, that's a lot of what being a Christian is and being in ministry is, is this mm-hmm. basic things like that, you know, hard work that doesn't really get noticed. <laughs> so what's that first continual faithfulness or continual obedience in the same direction? No. Yeah. Well, that's it's yeah. Not, not always glamorous. Right. Yep. I want to hear what Jim was saying. What's the secret? What's the Easter egg, Jim? You were about to say something. The Easter? No, I was it was asking. It, there's a. It just escaped me the name of the guy who wrote it, but the book called "A Long Obedience in the Same Direction." Mm-hmm. He died recently, but yeah. that's the one. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, I think we're out of time. Any last minute need to knows? All right. I'm getting. Shakes of heads, nods of heads, shakes of heads, shakes of heads. Well, Dave, Tate, thanks for joining us. It's always a yeah. pleasure. I'm Thank sure you, guys. We'll be, yeah. uh, sure we'll be talking about impact soon, probably. So yeah, yeah. probably uh, gird up your loins for that one. It's always yes. a good adventure. <laughs> but, <laughs> but impact COVID version two, who knows? Yeah. Who knows? At least we know, we know what, we're, what we can do at this time. You know, that's the idea. We can't do it normally. We know what we can do exactly. So oh, That's true. Last year it was an adventure to figure it all out. But, yeah. but thanks for coming and preaching for us. Thanks for giving Dave a break. Uh, sure. We appreciate you. We appreciate having you. It's always a good pleasure. Thank Anybody you guys. Have so any much. high praise for Dave? Come on, pour it on. Got to hey, build up his ego before he goes. Yeah. Oh, your wife is amazing for building that, uh, making that pot, the potted plant for the. Oh pot, yeah. The plant. Well, she just plant pot. <laughs> yeah, she just has it in the front yard, and I just stole it for the day. <laughs> I thought it was super cool. She didn't make it for the sermon. She she uh, she was actually like, "You better not leave it up at that church. Better bring it back." You know. <laughs> The but best, shout out to your wife. <laughs> the best I'm just so proud. Are stolen. Yes, yes, that's true. I'm just so proud that little Davey Tate, that was scared to preach, is now reaching all of Central Texas and is a famous, <laughs> famous traveling preacher. That just oh makes me amazingly <laughs> glad. Yeah, that's that's a like I said, it's it's God's comedy is what that is. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Just breathe in the perfume of the praise. Well, thanks again, Dave. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, everybody else, for jumping on. Uh, For everyone at home, we will uh, see you next week. All right, guys. Thanks a lot. Take care. All right. Bye-bye.